Hello and welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Katie Whitten. Katie is a co-founder of Lifelong Endurance based in Golden, Colorado. She's also a business coach, uh, entrepreneur, athlete, um, and all-around fantastic person. Katie and I have known each other and had the pleasure of working together for many years, uh, and I was excited to have Katie on the show because I knew uh, that we uh, had so much in common and our paths have crossed uh, and our ideas and thoughts intersect in many different ways uh, and her insight and perspective on many of the things that I'm passionate about, um, I knew were going to be uh, valuable for those of you that are listening. So uh, we cover everything from um, Katie's transition from a Division One basketball player into a triathlete, what that meant for her athletic identity. Um, we talk about the tools that coaches can provide athletes to facilitate motivation. Um, where does confidence come from? Is it intrinsic to the athlete experience or is it something that we need to work to balance? Um, and is it something that coaches provide? Um, we talk about uh, grace and the role that it plays in athletic performance. Uh, this is one that, uh, that I'm really uh, passionate about. We, we came about this topic organically uh, through our conversation, but it was one that I was very happy to lean into and excited to get Katie's perspective. Um, and we talk about uh, getting away from the boom and bust culture in endurance sports, moving towards sustainability, moving towards the lifelong and lifetime development of athletes and how we can do that as coaches and as athletes from a mindset perspective and also from a performance and training perspective. And then we talk about what qualities define a good coach. Katie and I are both passionate uh, at perfecting and mastering uh, the art and craft of coaching. We've dedicated our lives to it uh, and we round out our conversation with looking to try and understand what makes a good coach, or at least what we think um, defines a good coach. Um, and spoiler alert, it doesn't really have anything to do with writing uh, really good workouts uh, or being very fast. Um, and uh, so I think you'll enjoy the conversation and the nuance that it provides. Um, I hope you'll stick around to the end. To, uh, to listen to that part of the conversation, or you can fast forward through. So thanks as always for joining um, EnduranceMinded.com. Like I've said on previous podcast episodes, we've revamped the website. We have a fantastic experience that we're continuing to work to refine there. We're getting some great feedback. Please continue to use the, uh, the comments section or the contact us section on EnduranceMinded.com and ThomasEnduranceCoaching.com for more information on, uh, on the topics we talk about on the podcast. You can speak with a coach. You can look at nutrition services, coaching services, um, and uh, any and all things related to, uh, to endurance-minded uh, and the pursuit of your fullest athletic potential. Thanks so much for joining. Again, I'm Taylor Thomas, and please enjoy my conversation with Katie Whitten. Katie, how are you doing today? So good, Taylor. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm really excited to, uh, to chat. I, we have, uh, we have a lot in common. Uh, you are, um, 
Well, why don't you introduce yourself? There's no reason I should do it. You, sh- you should uh, tell, us, tell, us, tell us who you are and what you're all about. <laughs> um, I am Katie Whitten. Uh, my husband and I own Lifelong Endurance, uh, which is an endurance coaching company uh, based in Golden, Colorado. Um, and we coach athletes similar to what uh, Thomas Endurance Coaching uh, does. We coach, you know, people doing Ironman, 5Ks, any any endurance effort. Um, and then we also have a youth running team based in Golden, uh, where we serve athletes ages 8 to 18, uh, really just trying to foster a lifelong love of the sport of running or sport in general. Um, and then uh, hopefully develop a passion for the outdoors. Um, so that's what I do a lot of hours of my day. The other piece that I uh, spend a lot of time on is um, business coaching, uh, specifically in the fitness industry. Um, and really just, uh, working with coaches, uh, like Taylor (laughs) who have typically have a coaching team, um, and just really trying to help them own their value, charge their worth and trying to change the industry in, in that way. Yeah, I love it. We're uh, we're on similar war paths, <laughs> yes. uh, which is uh, which is why uh, I'm excited to uh, and I wanted to have you on the show among a variety of other reasons. Um, but um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that because I I think it's really I would love to get your input on you know one of my one of my kind of passions and and areas that I spend a lot of time thinking about is how endurance sports specifically, you know, training for and the pursuit of uh, an athlete or an individual's full potential, full potential through the lens of consistent training um, really informs the rest of their life positively. So I have said on this podcast many times and, and all over the place and other platforms that, you know, the value of endurance sports and the value of being an athlete far exceeds, um, you know, one day performance, right? So far exceeds a a race result or a great workout. Now those things aren't, aren't great and important, but it's really not what it's all about. And I believe in the value of athleticism, uh, you know, outside of, uh, outside of training and its ability to inform, um, how we, uh, excel in the rest of our lives. So as an entrepreneur, as a business coach, as someone who is working with athletes, but also working uh, on the business coaching side with coaches, um, what's your what's your what's your thoughts on that? What's your thoughts on the role of of you know endurance sports and its value in terms of how we execute in the rest of our lives and the relationships and the success we see in those areas where what's your, uh, what's your take on that? Yeah. Great question. Uh, and it's funny because on my social media, which I'm not a big social media poster, but today I did a little ode to sport for myself. Um, I saw that. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You, it was so good. And I was so uh, immediately we were already planning to talk, but I yeah. got me even more excited for this chat. Cause I was like, 
Oh, hell yeah. Katie is <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, no, it was just uh, something that we were going to do for our lifelong endurance team as a little like, you know, just social media effort. And I was like, I'm going to post it on my own page. But it's just sport has been the most influential thing in my entire life. And I, I mean, one of the things that I wrote in that, that little post was that I was this shy little girl at my mom's leg at parties, even at like age 12. And then I got into uh, basketball and softball and tennis and soccer and all these different sports because of my brothers. Um, But it has been something that has absolutely transformed my confidence. Um, And, you know, I think coaches can boost confidence, but sport is really what builds the confidence. And it's really... It's like doing what you say you will. It's uh, seeing progress. It's like giving it your all when you don't think you have anything left, right? It, it's That's the awesome part, I think, that sport provides. I can't find any other, I don't know, field or outlet or whatever that does that in the same way. Um, and that's why I think I was so passionate about making that transition from my own career to sports um, from a world of finance for like five to six years out of college. Um, but in terms of like role that plays, I mean, yeah, like it has taught me how to work well with others. It has taught me time management um, and all those things. Yeah. Come into play in my leadership of the lifelong endurance team in how I communicate with athletes and relate to the athletes, the youth athletes that we work with. Um, so yeah, like it is, I don't know. I, I, it's the most important thing in my life. Um, and then, yeah, the endurance piece was a little bit, I mean, that was kind of post-collegiate for me. I played division one basketball at Elon university and uh, I mean, a mile was a long distance at that point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like endurance is a whole nother piece that teaches you about yourself and that that you can achieve more, um, that you can go longer, that you are more capable. Um, so that's that's also a fun piece. And then considering the mindset and, and uh, even transitioning to that, to like the business coaching side, yes, there is a huge mindset piece to a lot of what we do, which is fun to dive into also. <laughs> Yeah, what you make up a good point. I mean, that you, you know, found kind of the the endurance piece later in life or post collegiately. Um, what I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of athletes, you know, folks like yourself who have been lifelong athletes for, you know, more or less, um, like sometimes was that a struggle for you to like, to, to figure out what that athletic identity looked like when it looked different than basketball, right? Like you got out of college, you know, that's a weird transition or maybe I I didn't, I didn't play, uh, sports in college, so I don't know it personally, but like navigating that, was that weird, you know, to like kind of be dumped out into the, you know, real world quote unquote. And yeah, I don't know what, how did you, how did you navigate that? Cause I feel like that's something that a lot of people, you either stick with it like you did Uh or you like you lose it. Right. You're like, you, you talk about it in past tense. Um, I don't know what, how did that, how did that go? Yeah. That's, uh, you 
nailed it. I mean, I, I I would look around at some of the alumni that would come back uh, to my college or just look around in general and be like, this is either going to go two ways. Either I'm done with people telling me what to do athletically and I'm like going to, you know, uh, not, not train ever again, really, <laughs> because I've, I've done so much over 18, 22 years, you know, like I've done so much for that period of time, or I'm going to continue to be what I consider like a lifelong athlete. Right. Um, and I definitely, um, I struggled for the first, I'd say six to 12 months out of college. I joined a, um, hiking group in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I would find myself trying to win the hikes. <laughs> <laughs> For the first sign that you were uh, you were a competitive endurance athlete. <laughs> and uh, somebody within the group was like, I think you would like triathlon. <laughs> He's like, I think you need to focus that competitive nature somewhere. <laughs> um, so that that was, I mean, that guy, I don't even remember his name, but he like changed my life, right? Because I was like, oh, I'll, I'll look into this. I'll find a coach and... Um, so that then shaped myself into more of an endurance athlete. Like I found my people, um, people that wanted to wake up at 5am and go swimming and go ride on a comfy trainer and do all that crazy stuff. Um, but I, yeah, so I kind of shifted athletic identity. I was still super focused on myself as an athlete. Um, and so that lasted probably the majority of my twenties was, was my identity was an athlete still. And my focus was triathlon. Um, and I think as I like, I don't know, shifted to my thirties, that shifted a little bit. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know what like initiated that or what happened, but I definitely, um, have a healthier relationship with sport and my identity in it. Uh, it's not the only thing that defines me. I'm much more clear on what other value I provide to the world. Uh, I still love it. I still love training. I still like racing. But um, yeah, there's definitely been like identity changes throughout my life. Because yeah, I was like purely basketball player. People knew me at school as a basketball player. They knew I was focused on school academics and basketball. And then after that, they're like, you know, in my jobs, my corporate career jobs, they were like, oh, yeah, Katie, that crazy triathlete. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely been shifts throughout. Um, and, it, and it feels I feel in a much better space. Not that I was other like ever like unhealthy, unhealthy, like unhealthy eating or anything, but it was just I was a little bit obsessive, I think, with uh, sport and my training. And now, you know, I can miss a day and be OK about it. <laughs> Right. It's a good place to be. I think, I mean, obviously it goes without saying, but I, you know, so many, I, I don't, I mean, you, you know, you work with athletes as well. Like what's your, how do you, how do you help? Or what do you think the tools are, you know, for athletes to help find that balance? Cause that, I mean, that's a really, what you've just described is not a clear path for a lot of yeah. people, right? Like they, they're, they find themselves on oftentimes on the wrong side of, of that athletic identity piece or of the motivation piece, meaning, you know, you could, you could also be like overly motivated, right. Where, where you like, you don't, you don't listen to the, you know, your internal cues or, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself too hard. Um, 
or you know you're not motivated enough and so you you don't you're not able to reach your full potential but yeah like as a coach uh what's i mean since you've been through that and you've navigated that and you've had you know kind of several versions of of yourself as an athlete what do you what do you feel like is kind of the best you know ways people can approach that to arrive in a place that's if the end goal is to arrive at a place in sport where it it's healthy and provides value to your life, right. Where it doesn't, it doesn't add stress. It doesn't detract from your ability to be present in other opportunities and other capacities. How do you, how do you help athletes navigate that or what tools do you give them? Yeah, I know. Great question. Um, and actually I think It's the hardest with uh, the youth that we're um, training Um, to see, you know, like a 12 year old who has a a super high level of success, you know, top 25 in the nation or something um, at running. And then uh, uh, especially if you're a female going through the stages of, of just growth and hormone changes and all of that. And then thinking of yourself as like a has-been uh, by the time you get to like junior or senior year, just really like struggling with that piece of, of knowing that you had all that potential and you should have, you like the, the should have, I should have gotten a D1 scholarship. I should like, so that's really where like, I'd love to continue to, to understand how to work with almost like these youth on that um, identity piece. Cause it is so hard and it's, it's almost like, I'm like, don't let your kid race and be so successful young. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to be like, no, uh, but it's so hard because it like, they love it. And so why would you not let, you know, athletes do what they want, like pursue what they want to. So it's, it's so hard cause you want to see that success, but you want to see that continued success for people. Um, in terms of like adulthood and transitioning at like from collegiate athletics or from like maybe being a professional in your early 20s, not that I was, but like, you know, like a high level in anything competing. Um, I think actually I answered my question before when I was like, I'm not sure why I or how I transitioned my 30s. I think I was just ready finally to like grow in a different area of my life um, and get uncomfortable I am so prone to like, I'll go to an athletic class and I, you know, I'm very comfortable. I'll take me to anything and I'll, I'll, I know I'll do well and and anything athletically. But if you would have asked me to do a presentation in front of a hundred different coaches, which I had to do like a year and a half ago in front of training peaks coaches, (laughs) I would have passed out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think it was just that, that, finally that commitment to like learn about myself in different areas of life and not just athletics. Um, so I think that's like a piece of it that was important for me was just the, the willingness to grow not only as an athlete in all areas of life. So hopefully that kind of explains. it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a good, I, I mean, I think that I, I have, I have made, um, the, I guess, argument for, for lack of a better term, uh, that, you know, I think it's really important for that identity 
uh, and for your motivators and for, you know, kind of how you define success for it to be multifaceted, right? I think where a lot of athletes uh, get derailed is that they only, you know, they only see themselves as athletes. So when that doesn't go as planned, their entire foundation crumbles, right? Because they can't look to other areas for fulfillment, right? Specifically with injury, uh, with burnout, overtraining, you know, hopefully not, you know, from a coach's part, but, um, the, so it's good to have these other things, right. To say, oh yeah, no, I'm an athlete. And that the pursuit of that progress, uh, and that potential adds value, uh, and informs decisions in other areas that I make in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, hats off to you for, I mean, it took me, it took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why, I mean, that's the only reason I'm able to like speak on it now is cause I mean, I've, yeah, I've been, been through it and, you know, I'm like, well, okay, if I don't win this race, then I, there's not worth me getting out of bed in the morning, you know, and yeah. then, like there's so much pressure. Um, I want to go back. You mentioned, uh, like the, the kind of, you started to, to kind of hint at like the role of self-confidence in, in endurance sports. And I, think that that is a really big piece. I'm just curious. And I, I forget exactly what you said, but you said something to the effect of like, you know, a coach, a coach provides it a little bit, but like the execution of yeah. sport or the engagement, that's really what, what, what like provides it or, or allows it to sink in. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just want to like dig into that. Cause I think that there's a little bit of, I'm not, I think that people maybe take it for granted, right? Athletes are like, oh no, I'm confident. And then when it comes to to executing training or navigating just the highs and lows, you see these real big swings, right? In in confidence and motivation and and drive and and all of these kind of you know uh you know intrinsic um components of an athlete. And it really just boils down to confidence, right? Like, do you feel really good about what you're doing or is it not going so well? Right. Is that, uh, I don't know. Like, so what's your, as a coach, like, how do you, yeah, I don't know. Like what's, what's the, what role does, does sport play? And like, you know, do you, is the goal just to have really good workouts and that builds confidence or does it come from the coach? Obviously it's a blend of those things, but I don't know. What's your, what's your kind of take on that? Cause I think that's a, that's a really, that's a cool, that's a really cool area that, you know, we don't give as much, we just kind of take it for granted, right? We just assume that it, that like, that we're going to have strong confidence if we just do these things and check these boxes. And at the end of the line, that doesn't often pan out, right? We like get to the start line and we're like, oh man, I feel really shitty about myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I said before I said, I think I said, uh, coaches can boost confidence or, you know, take away confidence. Cause you can be a jerk of a coach or something, you know, like you can be like, ah, oh, you didn't do that. You didn't, you didn't do enough. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, yes, your execution, your actions are really what build the confidence, right? You, it's like the integrity of you holding true to your word. Like you signed up for a coach and you said you'd complete these workouts and you're going to do them to the best of your ability. Yes, there are going to be days that we need to change and there are going to be slip-ups and all that, but it's really like you 
feeling good and prideful about the fact that you did what you said you would is really, and like you saw, like, I don't know about you, but when I get through like an effort where I like really had to push myself to get through, I'm like, man, I'm stronger. Like I'm stronger than I thought I was. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know I could hold that amount of Watts for that long or something. Um, so, you know, I think that that is how I look at, um, Confidence, because my my coach could have patted me on the back every day in high school uh, or college or anything and been like, you're great. But if I didn't deep down believe it to my core because my actions outside of, you know, off the court or whatever weren't so, then I really wouldn't have changed as a person. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like what I try and communicate, I've had athletes ask me, so like, why should I work with you? Um, And I, I... I genuinely like tell them that like, I want nothing more than you to walk to the the starting line, a more confident version of yourself, just through the actions that you've taken through our work together, through our journey together. Um, and so that's what I, that's what I want for every athlete. I mean, just like motivation, we can't, I, I, I mean, if I've learned anything in endurance sports and coaching, it's that I can't give motivation to anybody. Right. Like that, that is so internal to them. I've had athletes, you know, with me super motivated for like three years. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know, something changes in their life or their motivation. And they just can't, like, they can't get it back. They can't get that same drive back. And so I think my role as a coach is in a good sense, a grace giver. I give a ton of grace because a lot of people that come to us, you know, are very type A personality and they, they're like, let's go. And so then when situations like that occur in their life they're like what happened to me like where did I go and I experienced the same thing I mean that was my late 20s I was like where is the girl who would die to finish this set like where did she go and I don't think she ever died like she didn't go away she's still in there she's just changed some like I still will suffer but maybe at not at the same level and I just don't know if it feels not worth it necessarily but like because I don't think it's my identity. I think that was why I would like lie it all, like lay on the line for it, you know? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great, you know, or maybe that, you know, that girl, maybe she just like got a job and she got tired, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, yeah, a lot of it was almost like fatigue, like, you know, just it's hard to push for that hard for that long. I mean, college alone is like, I mean, that's four years of, probably putting some agent on me because <laughs> that's a lot of power a lot of and so then go to go you know with a short six month eight 12 month break to right into triathlon and do that consistently for multiple years I mean I woke up a lot of years of my life very early and now I'm like nope not doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I had a friend of mine who said that he he uh he said um yeah he raced professionally and 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 now like post-professional He's like, yeah, I'm not, uh, if I can't get a workout in like during daylight hours, yeah. he's like, I'm not going to do it. He was like, I, I did it for too long. I got up at, you know, three 30 yeah. in the morning. He's like, and I'm just, yeah, he's like, it, it has to be more balanced than that. He's yes. like, I'm not willing to let the pendulum swing in that direction. Yeah. Um, but well, you, you talked about grace. I think that was awesome. Like, I love that. Um, I mean, I just love that word because we don't give it to ourselves yeah. enough, yeah. uh, especially as athletes, you know, I mean, that's a real balance because there is this really, really fine line 
between like you, I mean, you have to show up, right? Like if you want to move the needle and you want to reach your full potential, there is a component of that, that, that you just have to, you have to show up and you, and you're going to need to do that on days when you're tired and, and it's not very convenient and you're hungry. I mean, I've said it a thousand times. I say this to my athletes, like if you wait around for the perfect day, you're going to be waiting a long time. Right. Uh Um, so, so there is a part of it that is execution kind of, you know, not at all costs, but, but you just got to do it if it, if it matters, if it, if it provides value, but just barely on the other side of that line is grace, right? Like you gotta, you gotta not do it sometimes too. You gotta know when to pull back and when to go to sleep and when to sleep in and when, you know, when it doesn't add value, um, how, I mean, that's a really, so many athletes, um, they, you know, they, they always want to do more, right? I think this is a classic, I'm sure you've been there. I know I've been there. You're like, okay, well, if I can, if I can do that much in, in, you know, 15 hours a week, imagine how much I could do in 20 hours a week. Um, and, or whatever the number is for a person. Um, how, how do we help? Like, how do we help people find, I find, you know, like more and more, I define my role as a coach as someone who pulls, pulls back on the reins, right? Like, and knowing, knowing when to do that at the right time so that we can be aware of, you know, I talk about time, like your energy as an athlete, your time as an athlete, I talk about it as a resource, right? And that's a finite resource and it will run out. You will get too tired. You will run out of time. You'll run out of motivation. So I'm very cognizant of how I dose that, how I use that resource at particular times of the year. And so I find myself pulling back on the reins a lot. And what that really manifests itself as is grace, right? I'm like, hey, just be easy on yourself. You know, it's here we are, right? You and I are talking. It's early February. Just be easy. Now there'll be a time and a place when we need to, I'm going to ask for that resource, mm-hmm. but it's not now. So mentally, I want you to like decompress. I want you to give yourself some grace. So I say all that to say like, how, how do we, you know, what's the best way or how do you help athletes find that grace or allow themselves to give it to themselves? Like, cause I could say it all day wrong, right? Or you as a coach could be like, Hey, yeah. it's, you know, take it easy. Now I promise like, it's going to be good. We don't need to go out and do, you know, six hour rides right now, you know, typically in the Northern hemisphere. I mean, of course it depends on everybody's goals, but, um, you know, like, let's just give yourself some grace, take a day to sleep in, take a day to go walk your dog and not think about, you know, training or whatever. Um, how do you help athletes navigate that? Cause I think that's a very hard thing for people to to, to, to feel comfortable with, right. That, that's a, that's a very evolved, I would, I would say generally a very evolved, like athletic identity. Um, yeah. Yeah. how do you, like, what's, what's your experience with that grace piece? Yeah. I, I mean, great, <laughs> great question. I think it is, um, it's definitely developed due to experience. I, I definitely know when to pick my battles versus not, right? Um, like you said, there are times where I'm like, nope, we gotta we gotta saddle up and we gotta do it. Like <laughs> it's just that time of the season, it's just that time in your plan, like you know, we can 
talk about it, but in general, like now we got to do it. Um, but then there's right the the off season, or if they really aren't able to find that motivation, how do we do that? And so I think some of it comes with experience as an athlete and as a coach, um, and finding the right person that gives you what you need. Um, but I also think for me, it's just the consistency of the message that I give um, my people that I work with, like the athletes that I work with, or the, you know, even the business owners that I work with, because a lot of them need a lot of grace too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They all think, I I hear the word, I don't, I really just want a legitimate business. And I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) How do you not think you have a legitimate business? Um, So, (laughs) um, so yeah, and that's, I mean, like in the athletic situation, I, I, I consistently find myself saying that, you know, like Johnny, at the end of the day, Johnny, I want you to be a lifelong athlete. Like, you know, there was a reason that we came up with that name for our company, because I genuinely am so passionate about just people moving, like just movement, just keep moving your entire life. I don't care if you're working with me for five of the years of your life, or one of the years, or you do 17 different sports throughout your life. You know, you start with me and we do triathlon, then you go to Nordic skiing and then you, you know, like, I don't care what you do, but I just want you to be moving and to enjoy movement. So that's what I like consistently drill in. So I think some athletes might get confused by some other coaches if they say that they give grace or they say that it's okay. And then the next workout, they're like commenting and, and saying, well, why didn't you do this? Or, you know, like, so I think it's just the consistency of the message is how I do it. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear, yeah, even more about how you um, try to give grace to your athletes. Because, I mean, it, it, it isn't easy because half the days we're probably drilling into our own heads about how we are, we're not enough and not, not yeah. doing enough. <laughs> yeah. Give yeah, it's give to yourself. Right, right. Yeah, and it's and it's hard. I mean, there there's all these factors at play, you know, when it comes to to you know, preparing for a specific goal or maximizing your potential or, you know, reaching peak fitness. However you want to, you know, quantify that. Um and there's all these um you know, there's like there's all these tipping points. Right. There is there is a point where um, you do have to do the workout. Right. You know, I could be talking about myself or another athlete or whoever, you know, any of us that want to to move forward, um, you know, physical and mental preparation for a specific goal. um, There's every day is essentially a tipping point. Right. And, And so I think about it like, okay, today what's the highest and best use of our time, right? And based on the athlete's, you know, kind of mental pr- preparedness, where they're at, their external, st- you know, all these factors, what, what's, what's best for today? Um, and then we try to make a decision based on their, um, their readiness, right? Is this going to be, you know, and, and a lot of times for me, it's trying to be a voice that says, Hey, I appreciate your commitment to this workout and I know that you would show up and do it. And I appreciate that. That's not what I need from you today, right? Today I need for you to rest. I need for you to go for a walk, right? I need you to play with your dog. I need you to not think about training because, because in doing so I can see that it's going to create 
um, you know, mental roadblocks, emotional roadblocks down the road. Right. So, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, with what you said, like I, my, my goal with everybody that I talk to athlete, coach, whoever it is, like, I want you to realize the value in being athletic for the rest of your life. And, and I say athletic on purpose and not, you know, insert specific discipline, right? I don't care if you're a runner for the rest of your life, if you're a cyclist, if you're a triathlete, if you're, I just want you to, I want you to find and realize the value in, in uh, dedicated movement, right. And committing to, to that, that athleticism. Um, and that for me, you know, that's that kind of, I don't know. Do you see this? I mean, it brings up a good point. We might, get hate mail for me saying this, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, there, there can be a bit of a, um, I, I like a boom and bust culture with endurance sports, meaning, you know, athletes will get, and coaches and, you know, in, an industry will get really fired up if there's like a carrot hanging in front of us. Right. Yeah. Oftentimes that's a race, but it could be a metric, right? It could be, we have all these plan, you know, FTP plans and we have VO2, mat, you know, all these things that you could, there's an end goal, right? It's polarized. You reach this end goal or you don't, you reach this goal or you don't. And then, and then the language around that sets us up for, you know, it's a plateau, right? It's a cliff. We, yeah. then we fall off the other side. Um, and that, that really is frustrating for me. Right. Cause that's not what I think. That's not where I think the value in, in being an athlete lies, right. Is this like super intense buildup for 12 or 16 weeks to reach this goal that might go well, but then if it, if it was at the expense of your ability to, to stay motivated or yeah. see the value in athleticism for the rest of your life, right. If you're like, God, I can't focus on, I don't even want to see my bike anymore. Right. I don't even want to see my right. Like what a, that's a, that's a, that's a failure in my mind, right. Yeah. As a coach, like that would be the worst possible outcome. If a, if an athlete gets to a particular point and they're like, Taylor, I can't, I can't do, I can't, I don't even want to talk about sports, you know, or I don't want to talk about, you know, training anymore. I'm like, Oh, like I, I failed them. Right. Yeah. Cause, because it's my job to give them the tools to realize the, the, you know, the value again, that, that, that commitment to athleticism in whatever discipline it is that to realize the value in that for the rest of their life, um, and how it can help to inform other areas of their life. And, um, I don't know, like that, that, that wasn't a great leading question. Cause that was really just a rant on my part. <laughs> um, what, um, like specific to that kind of boom and bust culture. Cause I mean, it sounds like you're very much kind of and I knew this about you because we've had conversations before, but you know, you're very much like the antithesis of that, you know, and, and trying to really provide this lens, you know, using athleticism as a lens through which we can see value in other areas of our life. So how do you, how do you combat that? Like, how do you, you know, how do you work with athletes to help us as an industry break out of this, like, I don't know, you know, what do we want to call it? You know, just again, just cyclical. These, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this kind of classic, like, all right, I did this thing. Now I'm not gonna touch my 
running shoes or I'm not going to do a workout until this time next year when I start my 12 week buildup again. Right. Like to use very standard, like periodization terminology. Um, yeah. What are you like? How do you, how do we, how do we get people out of that? Yeah. I think it's a continued focus on the long-term vision of it all. Um, I would say that my husband, Andrew Simmons, for example, who's the, the head coach of our youth running team does a really incredible job with our, with our youth team of, of not developing the athletes to like their potential of who they could be in eighth grade or in 10th grade, you know, but mm-hmm. really looking forward to who they could be if they are really talented and are really motivated to who they could be as a 22 year old, maybe racing professionally to, you know, to, to, to make sure that they're not pushing through an injury at that age because it doesn't make sense for their long-term health. So, yeah, I think, and and that's the same, like, you know, we're on the same page. We coach, you know, we have the same view on that in, in all areas. So I think it's, you know, with working with the adult athletes, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It, it's, it's saying, you know, great. We didn't have the race or we did have the race or whatever, but like, where do we still want to go? Like, what, what do we still want to want to, who do we still want to be? And, you know, most of the people that I work with still want to be moving and competing and enjoying activity, right. And training. Um, so just that focus on that, that long-term view of like who they, who they can be and then helping them. I mean, really the key of the coach is to help them break that down into to smaller chunks of um, of who they really want to become as an athlete. I mean, if if I were to tell you who I want to be as a person and as an athlete, it's a curious and confident mover. That is who I want to be. That's so like my entire goal for the rest of my life is to to be that, to be the example for the kids on our youth team, to continue to try and keep up with them from years to come. Like that's <laughs> who I want to be. Um, and so those words don't say anything, right? Like you said, like they don't say triathlete, they don't say mountain biker, they don't say podium finisher. They just say like, I want to continue to learn about my body and like continue to learn about how to move well. Um, and so that's kind of like the reframing, I guess, that I try and get people to, um, to really see it in that lens. Yeah, man, that's, um, I love that curious and confident mover. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that trumps my, my athletic, uh, uh, definition. I, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's so good. Yeah. I mean, you, it's so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, is it something, you know, I spend, yeah. Cause I guess it'd be interesting to get your take on someone um, who's coming from a variety of different disciplines, right? Like I've spent my whole world, my whole life and career in endurance sports, right? So I've seen, um, I've seen this play out just for, you know, season after season of really trying to help athletes get this, this mindset, um, of kind of longevity. But I mean, you're coming from, you know, different, disciplines like is it is that is that a uniquely um is it just a is it just an athlete i don't want to say problem like is it an athlete you know hurdle that we all 
have to overcome or is that something that is it like intrinsic to um to endurance sports i, I don't know like what did you see um i mean i guess you know a lot of people that play basketball in college like don't play basketball now i don't know if that's a great right. like i don't know if that's a great way to frame that but um i don't know like is it a systemic issue specific to endurance sports and the language you've used around these these types of classic endurance sports disciplines or is it just uh, is that something that like as an athlete we have to nail down like and kind of shore up that that part of our identity i think it's as an athlete in general um and granted i haven't i don't know trained many ex-football players or you know anything like many teams i mean i have trained people who competed in college or something but um i yeah i think we're all continuously like evolving that athletic identity um and how we can continue to like view it for our lifetime um so yeah i I think i don't i don't think it's specific to endurance sports or I, i think that a lot of team sport athletes use endurance sports because we don't have the capacity to continue to compete in the sport that we did. I mean, I could right. try and go play basketball right now, but it's not, my body is probably not going to withhold it as well as it did uh, 10 years ago, 15 years <laughs> <laughs> If you do that, I'd like to see a video of you trying to play basketball as a... will <laughs> break your ankles now. <laughs> yeah. You're going to need a lot more ibuprofen than, you're, than you were used to yeah. uh, a decade ago. Oh, no, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, so I wonder, I want to back up a little bit because I, I wonder, um, you know, I, I'm always interested in how people arrive at, uh, at being coaches, yeah. right? And you, you have a, um, you have a trajectory that's not uncommon in terms of, you know, you found it after you had done, I don't want to say found it, but you know, you made it a career, and certainly you're fully invested now. I mean, you're on the business coach. I mean, you know, you're, yeah. you have a running company uh, or a coaching company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you're working with, uh, with, you know, business clients on the business coaching side. So like what, what, like, well, yeah. What caused the transition? Like, what was it about? Was it, was it the fact that you were an athlete first and that, cause I think that's where a lot of coaches, you know, that's, that's kind of your classic story, right? They're like, well, I rode bikes, so I just started coaching people that rode yeah, bikes, yeah. right, or whatever. Uh, and that's fine. That's not that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, like what did I, I, yeah, well, like how did you? Because how did you get? Now you're just so deep in it, you know. <laughs> like you can't uh, you can't go back now. So how'd you how'd you get here? Yeah, I'm I'm very deep into the athletic world right now. Um, yeah. Me, yeah. me too. If it makes you feel any better, I've, I always joke. I'm like, well. I can't do anything else now. I'm too deep. <laughs> I know my, my financial skills probably expired a year or two ago. No, I'm kidding. I, I still use them in right, like running our business, but not at the same capacity. Um, <laughs> yeah, I started coaching when my coach uh, in Michigan, Mark Olson, uh, incredible coach, but he approached me and said, "You know, I think you have the personality and the like thirst for knowledge for sport to like be a good coach." And so, uh, of course, I was like, no, no way, not me, you know, <laughs> um, but, but I, 
I think this side of me trusted that. I knew that that was the impact that I wanted to make. My high school coaches were some of the most incredible men and had the biggest impact on my life. So I have always, I think, looked at them and said, huh, like, how did they get to work such a cool job, like impacting all these kids' lives and having these great relationships? And how do I get to do that? Because I, I mean, I legitimately in my corporate jobs, I'd sit there and I'd be like, people do like, I can't, like, this isn't me. I can't do that for the rest. Like, that's, that that's not my long-term vision to to like work behind the spreadsheet. <laughs> um and so I I just I don't know. I got I got approached by them and I I quit my job right when they were about to promote me and everybody around me and my 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 you know cube area was like you're going to quit and I was like, "Yeah. Yep. I'm going to quit." But I've I think a lot of me had set myself up to make a decision like that. Like I've saved money. I had like, I had done all the things cause I knew that like, I don't know something within me. Like I trust, I, I do trust my intuition and I trust my gut. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I cut my salary in half. Like I did, I mean, I did the crazy leap that was not, uh, not easy, but has definitely led me down a, an interesting and exciting path ever since. <laughs> Yeah. So you're, you started, uh, so your coach in Michigan, you said, yeah. so he, he was like the impetus. So he, yeah. he was like, Hey Katie, yep. I think you, you would make a good coach. So you started working like for his team Yes. and that, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. He taught me what he knew in the weight room. He taught me what he knew, you know, we would plan training we would do training plans together so he was I mean he was really my first mentor in this in this field and uh yeah a great guy knew a lot um and uh yeah really set the stage for everything coaching wise for me did you did you take the classic you know uh classic approach where you went and like you know got your running USA certificate you know you kind of rush out and get all your Get all your shirts, or or did you? Was he like kind of the the mentor, and that's where you learn kind of like the practice and philosophy, and and kind of art of coaching, and then you just layered in with experience later. Um, I did get USA Triathlon right away, um, and then I worked hard to get my certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is not easy for somebody. Yeah. I majored in business. I did not major in exercise science. <laughs> um, so that one, that one was hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it was working with, you know, him in the weight room, following what he did, talking after understanding the, the, the reasoning behind all of it. Um, and then I got USA cycling when I moved to Colorado about a year or two later. Um, so yeah, I didn't immediately go out and get, um, a ton of different certifications and I kind of liked the gap in between it because it was nice, like either refreshers or, you know, I just, I, I got different experiences by learning it at different stages throughout the process. Um, because I, I had already worked, you know, like two years into it, I had already, already worked with a decent amount of athletes. So it was fun to then hear things in a different way than I would right. have initially. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just always, uh, you know, it's interesting, I, and maybe you're the same. I, my kind of take and opinion on how, you know, you probably get this a lot as well. You know, I have people ask me all the time, like, how do you, like, how do you know, how do you become a coach? Like, how, yeah. you know, what? And I'm like, you know, and if you had asked me at the beginning of my career, you know, I think what I would have laid out, or I know what I would have laid out would have been much different than my what I would lay out now, you know, or, or what I tell people now. And it's certainly, you know, I mean, the certifications and all, I mean, that stuff is important in the governing bodies and, you know, I mean, all those things are, are good, but you know, the application of kind of the art and science of coaching is so nuanced and it's so individualized. And, you know, I think it really takes a level of kind of astuteness and awareness that isn't, doesn't come up in those courses. You know, I think what you, what you miss is just that ability to like connect, you know, and that's what needs to be honed. And, um, I don't know, like, what's like, what do you think, what makes, I don't know, what makes a good coach? Like if from your, you know, cause you have yeah. all, so much experience, like yeah. what, coaches now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? We hire coaches now. So yeah, I yeah. know that answer now. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. No, I'm, I'm taking notes because, you know, I'm just, as we build out our coaching team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say probably more than anything, a strong communicator. Um, you know, ability to really show how much you care. Um, ability to really listen um, when athletes are telling you things. Um, because I, I mean, I've had... I talked to like a, a consult the other day and, and they were like, yeah, my last coach, I told them I couldn't do that much cause I'm so busy. And they just, and I was like, so they didn't listen. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Um, so, true. so yeah, the, I think strong communicator. Um, I like to be a teacher, right? Like I like to be able to teach them about um, sport and why we're doing things and what the training peaks data means and all of that. But I also respect that some people are like, I'm paying you because I want to be held accountable to somebody and I don't really care about that. And so I'm like, okay, that's okay too. But in general, like, I'd prefer the person that likes to, to know about it. Um, and then just what you've talked about throughout uh, a lot of this podcast, throughout a lot of our conversations, just as I've gotten to know you, um, is the relationship piece. And I think that comes with being a strong communicator, but I think those are the main things. I mean, I, I don't know, like, I I know a lot of pro athletes get a lot of looks from a lot of athletes because they've clearly proven expertise in, in the craft, but I sometimes think that they don't always have the capacity to really give the attention that somebody like myself can, um, because I'm not training 25 hours a week and where I'm not, you know, and so... Um, I don't think you need to be a pro. I don't think you need to be always winning. I mean, I think it helps if you're successful and you can ride with your athletes and you can show your strength in a sense, but you know, more than anything, it's, it's the interpersonal skills that are really going to build the buy-in and make that strong relationship. Hallelujah. Man, I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that 
that, uh, you know, a coach's ability to do hard workouts or be, I don't, that doesn't have anything to do with being a good coach, you know? And so often that's a prerequisite or a question is like, Oh, you know, what races do you do? And what have you won? And what's your FTP? And what's your, what's your training schedule look like? It it doesn't matter what my training schedule look like. You know, what, what matters is, is my ability to communicate, you know, and my ability to meet you where you're at and to understand, your needs and not just me, but, you know, as a coach in general, you know, and I, that's been the biggest shift for me is, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, like yeah. what makes a good coach, I would have, I mean, it would have been very different. You know, it would have been very, very data heavy. Right. And, and which is good. I mean, I, the science of coaching is important. Um, and that, that data piece falls into it, but like, but it's only valuable if it, if it gives you insight to, connect with that athlete, right? right. Like it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if I can dissect a workout, if I'm not listening and paying attention yeah. so that I can, you know, I tell, I tell, you know, our team all the time, I said, the training plan is only as valuable as your ability to, to meet that athlete where, where they're at and for it to, to fit into that athlete's life. So to your example, like, you know, yeah, you wrote a kick-ass training plan, but it calls for, 12 hours and that athlete only has six hours. Well, it's yeah. worthless. Right. If, and that just, that just means you're not paying attention. Right. I mean, just plain and simple. Um, and so, yeah, I think just that, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, being a coach and being an athlete are not necessarily the same thing. You know, that's how so many right. people come to come to coaching and I'm like, yeah, it's not, that's not the same thing. It's cool. That's great. If you're a good athlete, but you know, if you're a great athlete and your identity is still wrapped in your athleticism and not in the success of your athletes, then that, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a big breakdown there. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I always tell coaches, I'm like, if you spend more time talking about your own training than you're talking oh. about your athletes training, then you need to find another, oh. you need to find another career. <laughs> no, that's uh, the one thing. That's the one thing I drill into coaches. <laughs> yeah. You hit like, it. I said, I said, don't even bring up anything about yourself unless asked. See, like seriously, I, I yeah, I, I hate it when people are like, "Well, I did this and I did when I did the ride the Rockies," and I'm like, "No, but like seriously, just ask that." Like they're paying you to get like their stuff out, you know? Like this is not to just brag about yourself. Yeah, you know? well, I think that's that. I mean, that's that identity piece, right? Like if you, so many people have you know, issues, uh, letting go of that identity, right. It, 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 they can't, they don't want to, to be in a position where that's not the primary identifier. Right. And so, you know, whereas like, I, I am massively stoked. Like, I hope all my athletes are more fit than I am. Like they, (laughs) like that would be great. Now it doesn't mean I'm not driven and motivated. It doesn't mean I'm not trying, but it, but that's not, that's not my value, right? That's right. not the role that I bring to the yeah. relationship is not my ability to execute hard workouts. I have different goals now. Right. And that's, and, and so that idea that, you know, a coach has to be doing, you know, the same thing as they're at, you know, like who cares, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, I just don't see that as those things are mutually exclusive. Um, Man, that's another one we're gonna get hate mail for. So, I, well, no, I, yeah, I don't mean to diss like pro coaches. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, if you're a pro athlete and you're a coach, you're. I love you know you're bringing it to the game too. I just, I've seen some instances where 
you know, that focus is just so self-centered. Um, not the case with everybody, but in some instances it is. Yeah. Well, I think it's good just to make that distinction. I mean, for athletes that are listening, I think a lot of athletes just don't necessarily, they don't, that's, that's the connection they make with, you know, to be a good coach, you have to be a great athlete. And while I absolutely think that you need to have experience, right. You should understand what it, what it feels like to, to undergo training and to, to prepare for big goals and that what it takes. But I think that so often athletes, you know, think that that, that they're more closely linked than they really need to be right. That, that a coach needs to be executing at a high level to be a good coach. And that, that is where the break, that's what you and I are getting at. like, that's where the, those things, there's a divide there, right? I think those things diverge. Um, so yeah. Okay. We made it clear. We're not hating on pro. <laughs> We're not like be a kick-ass athlete and also be a coach. That's great. Yeah. But that's yeah. not the only way, you know, it's not the only way. Yes. Um, different cool. yeah. um man, we, uh, we covered a lot. That was great. Uh, any, any parting words of wisdom for all of, uh, all of the coaches and athletes and, uh, and business owners and everyone listening to endurance minded? Um, I, I mean, I think what I've been focusing on recently is trying to really hear athletes when, or business owners or anybody to see what they're really after in terms of feeling. Um, and I said this on a call that Taylor was on recently too together. Um, but I'm, I'm just trying to be very in tune to, we, we say we want to accomplish a race or, uh, you know, we want, we want to go sub three in a marathon or whatever, but I kind of like I kind of ask clarifying questions to say, okay, well, what, like, how is that going to make you feel? Why do you want that? And a lot of it's like, I, I'll feel proud. I'll feel, you know, uh, happy. I'll like whatever that is. But I, I, I try and get a lot of clarity on that um, because, and I think it's just good for athletes in general, like athletes listening to this this podcast, to really start to like get in tune with that of like, what are we truly after? Cause I don't think a lot of us are clear on what we truly want out of the things that we say we want as our outcomes. Um, so that's just something like, and I, I, Tony Robbins has been drilling that in my head for the past like two years. I've, I listened to some of his stuff. So <laughs> that's just something that I've taken away from, from his, uh, talks, but it's, it's something that I find myself doing a lot with athletes now is, is just trying to understand that piece of, of where, what they really want to feel as a result. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. Yeah. I talk about that a lot at, and I use um, like distinguishing expectations versus goals, mm. right. And like the language that we use helps to compartmentalize why it is we expect certain things. Right. So like if, if a goal is I want to win a race, Mm-hmm. That's not the expectation, right. right? The expectation should be defined outside of that. And it should be, it should be defined in route to that. Right. So my expectation is that the execution of the training, you know, and building up to my best possible self for this race is going to lead me to be a more focused individual, right? Yeah. I'm going to be proud of myself. I mean, so like that, and I think you're, I mean, I couldn't have said it better. Like that idea that, we so often as athletes define goals that are arbitrary, 
right? We, but, but we don't care about them. If you really lean into it. And a, a great example of that is like doing a race for race for the sake of doing it. Cause it's close, <laughs> right? You're like, okay, why are you doing this race? I don't know. It's cause it's in, cause it's, it's the first one on the race calendar. Yeah. Do you, do you care? Like, do you care about it? Is it gonna, is it gonna add value to your, do you want to start, you know, do you want to start race preparation in, in November? Uh, when you just, you know, finished in October, um, you know, and like, so things like that. And when you really ask the right questions and are, and are, and lean into those often uncomfortable, you know, kind of the answers, you really get much more clarity in the things that add value. Right. And that's the end goal. And, um, yeah, good for you. I mean, that, I totally agree. Like, um, like why, you know, okay, that's great. I can, we can get there why is it important? Right. Why do you want to do it? Does it matter to you? Right. Are you just doing it because, um, you know, I talked about that on a, on a previous podcast episode a few months ago was this idea, you know, you see this, um, you know, we had 2020, right. And races got canceled and races are still mm-hmm. getting canceled and everybody's spending a lot of time trying to get back to that same place which was just a stacked race calendar with a lot of things that didn't add value to their life, right? They were just doing them just cause. And I'm like, maybe we should pump the brakes a second and use this as an opportunity to think about maybe we shouldn't rush to get back to the way things were. Maybe we should realize the clarity that this time period has presented us and use it to make us better and more thoughtful athletes, right? And, 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 and choose quality over quantity and whatever we're doing or, or, you know, or make decisions from a, from a quality perspective and not, you know, quote unquote, just because, yeah. um, and I think that goes into that, you know, cause I was, you know, people are like, Oh, I just can't wait, you know, races. And I'm like, no races. I want them to come back too, but it doesn't mean we need to do 20 a year though. <laughs> um, you know, or, or 10 a year or, you know, whatever, like, let's just, let's take, let's take a second to breathe instead of just falling back into these, these places that didn't necessarily provide, provide value. Um, Cool. Well, thanks, Katie. You're uh, you're awesome. I love everything you're doing. You're you're good. You're a great coach. You're a great business mentor. You're a great person. Uh, And uh, thanks for thanks for being on the show. Thank you for uh, inviting me and for the great conversation.